Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, December the 21st, 2022. Uh, a few months ago in April of this year, we did a show with the Dutch author David de Jong on the legacy of uh, what he calls Nazi billionaires. Uh, the subtitle of his book is The Dark History of Germany's Wealthiest Dynasties. What could be worse than a billionaire? A Nazi billionaire. And de Jong um, argues that, uh, that, that m- much of, um, much of the, the legacy of these Nazi billionaires uh, hasn't really been confronted in our culture through car companies like BMW, uh, Porsche and Volkswagen are still operating uh, legacy systems which somehow um, reflect these Nazi billionaires. Uh, It was an interesting conversation which um, has come up again in an interesting op-ed this week in the New York Times. Um, on the Nazis and the past and our inability to come to terms with it. But rather than the uh, non-profit arms of BMW or Porsche, uh, the offending party, at least according to the op-ed, are American universities like Stanford and Harvard. Uh, The op-ed was written by my guest today, uh, Lev uh, Golinkin, who... uh, is also the author of an interesting memoir from the Ukraine, A Backpack, A Bear, and Eight Crates of Vodka. Lev is joining us from deepest New Jersey. Lev, tell us about the argument you make in uh, uh, in your op-ed uh, last week's uh, New York Times. Why does Stanford, Harvard, and NASA still honor a Nazi past? Yeah, we talk about slavers and slavery and other um, questionable and complex figures. Uh, And I found it strange to know that we, while we're talking about that, we have uh, scholarships and we have honors to people who are unambiguously evil, like Alfred Krupp. I was I was stunned when I saw when I saw Harvard and Stanford have have these scholarships to him. And I was also particularly stunned because it's also a way of erasing history because Alfred Krupp, he was a literal convicted war criminal. He was somebody who was convicted in Nuremberg of war crimes and crimes against humanity. He was somebody who played a key role in the German war machine, in the German war industry. He was somebody who uh, had a slave built factory in Auschwitz. He was somebody who had 100,000 slaves. Uh, from concentration camp prisoners, prisoners of war, uh, children. And this is, so this is somebody who, there's really not much uh, to be discussed whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. Okay, I don't think anyone's arguing he's a good guy. So so explain what exactly is happening at Stanford, Harvard, and NASA to honor, in your language, a Nazi past. Well, that he's being presented as a good guy by this, uh, by these scholarships that honor him. Uh, Harvard has a professorship and a scholarship named after um, Alfred Krupp, set up by his foundation. Uh, Stanford has a scholarship on it. And until uh, very recently, Stanford didn't 
say anything about him being a, a war criminal. Harvard to this day doesn't say anything on their website about it. So um, these, um, and this is done by his corporation that presents him as somebody who, you know, he was involved with Nazi Germany, but there was only a facet of who he was and he had many other different aspects to him. Uh, so Isn't that true though? I mean, doesn't everyone deserve a second chance or does Alfred Krupp, is he such a profound war criminal? So, so, so what's the narrative at Stanford and Harvard and at NASA? What do they argue that uh, in his oh, post-war I, uh, life, he, he, he behaved himself, he, he apologized? Uh, they actually don't argue much. Uh, what Stanford says is uh, they point out that the scholarship was established by a man who ran the Krupp Foundation, and this man was somebody who saved Jews. Um, so, but that, again, is kind of like saying you can have a scholarship for Osama bin Laden as long as it's inaugurated by somebody who's nice, like Malala. You know, it's not a it's it's not really an argument. It doesn't explain why you're honoring Krupp. Uh, so and Harvard had no comment at all. And I also like to point out that Harvard's president, the current president of Harvard, is the son of a concentration camp survivor. His mother was actually in Auschwitz. And Harvard has advertised that, has has written about that. And it's just it's very strange that you have this man who is the son of a Holocaust survivor and his university is honoring a, a man who participated in the Holocaust. I have to admit that this is astonishing. It's, is it because these universities are simply greedy for foundation money or they not, just don't get it? Because it's hard to imagine that Stanford and Harvard in particular yeah. would be sympathetic to yes. a man like Alfred Krupp, who, as you say, was convicted of war crimes, of running slave labor camps. Never apologized. Never apologized either. Not even so much as an apology. He just, when he was convicted, he said, I was doing my duty to Germany. So um, I can't say of their motives, but I will say this. Um, Alfred Krupp, the reason why he was able to create this foundation is because he was, his sentence was commuted and he received his money back. And the person who commuted his sentence and gave him his money, he only spent six, six um, years in prison total, including pretrial confinement. The person who, commi- uh, who commuted him and gave him his money back was John J. McCloy, who was the American High Commissioner for Germany. So the United States government is what gave him his money back and his freedom back and his ability to then create this foundation and that started using his blood money to whitewash him. So you wrote uh, an interesting piece um, for the New York Times in March earlier this year about the Ukraine of your childhood being erased. And you talked about the vagaries, the complexity of memory. Do we need to keep on going back? And so, so you're from the Ukraine, um, Lev, originally. You understand the complexity of history. Do we need to keep on going over these things? Can't we just move forward? Why do we need to obsess over the legacy of sure. Alfred Krupp, for example? Well, I think um, for two reasons. One is I think we need to say that participation in certain crimes does have an impact. We don't have we don't have to go around burning effigies of him, but we shouldn't be celebrating him. And that's, we used him after World War II because we needed to have a fiscally solvent West Germany against the spread of communism. As somebody who fled communism to America, I very, certainly very much appreciate that. Same thing with Dr. Werner von Braun. And, when and, you and, say we used him, you mean we used the the, 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 the Krupp company to build yes. a, 
um, a post-war West Germany economy. Correct. Correct. Somebody had to run West Germany. If we just arrested everybody who was in league with the Nazis, we would have arrested the whole country. So we needed to have we need to have people who to run Germany. So Alfred Krupp provided that, and he was honored by Time Magazine also uh, shortly after he was released. Additionally, we needed weapons that the Nazis knew how to make. People like Werner von Braun and the Soviet Union and the UK and um, America were engaged in a race to snatch up these scientists to see who, who would get to them first. But there's a giant difference between getting into bed with somebody, between making a deal with the devil versus honoring him, versus celebrating him. There's a very, very big difference. So that's number one. I think we need to, we need to say that. How is he being celebrated? Most people don't care about. What does he have? A chair, a program at Stanford and Harvard and NASA? Um, well, Werner von Braun has buildings named after him. Well, we're um, not talking about von Braun. We're talking oh, about. Oh, I'm sorry. You said NASA. You said that. Krupp. Yeah, he has the he has a professorship at Harvard. He has the professorship. He has the. Um, fellowship at Stanford and at Harvard, and his whole foundation presents him. I mean, this is the people who do this. They present him as this as this complex, uh, almost Renaissance man, um, somebody who may have made a mistake, uh, but, you know, uh, overall led a very fascinating, interesting life. Are you opening, though, a, a complicated can of worms, Lev? I mean, we could say the same about Cecil Rhodes. Should we continue with the Cecil Rhodes scholarships for... Uh, Americans going to to Oxford. Uh, Rhodes was a, a, a clear racist and colonialist. Um, at a certain point, don't we just need to move on, forget about these things? I think until you address the past, you can't really move on. That's number one. And number two, it's the people who erase, they're saying that, you know, people people like me and others are trying to erase the past, but that's not really true because the people who are erasing the past are people like Harvard, for example, which doesn't tell doesn't tell anything, doesn't say anything about Alfred Krupp being a convicted war criminal. They just erase that part of his history. They make it sound like that's it. You're just Alfred Krupp, good old Alfred Krupp, who who was just nice enough to give us a scholarship. Um, and uh, how, how do the scholarships at Harvard, the Alfred Krupp scholarships, work? Who gets them, or is there a chair in honor? Of there's it? a there's a chair, and then there's also a which, um, which department. You know, uh, I, I think not a Jewish studies department. No, but uh, the fellowships, uh, the fellowships uh, run and they cover. Like for example, a recent fellowship was given to um, to study slavery in the French colonies, which is just fascinating that somebody would you know use money from slavery by a slaver to study slavery in the French colonies. Um, and again, I think this is something that everybody, you have to draw a line on everybody. You can say Martin Luther King and Mahatma Gandhi uh, were horrible with women, or Mahatma Gandhi was famously horrible with women. Martin Luther King, I think, philandered. You could, you, you could find faults with anybody. So there's always a line, just like there's a line for free speech. Even the most ardent free speech people are going to say that, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to do things like uh, scream fire in a movie theater. So there's always a line. I would argue that for somebody who participated in genocide very un very clearly, and also for somebody who played a crucial part in arming Hitler, he, he created the weapons that were used to kill American soldiers. I mean, I think it's just a disrespect to our veterans. How has Stanford and Harvard responded to this piece? Have there been any official response? 
Um, when I contacted them for comments, Stanford just confirmed the Stanford confirmed that they have the scholarship, and that was it. I also want to point out that um, until September thirtieth. Stanford didn't even have anything listed about Krupp being a war criminal. So this was a very recent thing that they added this on. Harvard just said no comment. And then when uh, when the news, so I think it's one of the things I'm really hoping for is that news organizations really, I think the least they can do is justify why they are honoring this man, why they think his mission aligns uh, with the university. And, and here's the other thing. It's the hypocrisy of it because Stanford recently published a report apologizing for anti-Semitism in their past, in their admissions. Harvard just issued a report earlier this year about slavery and saying how they need to face the past. Well, I mean, that's, that's not really facing the past. If you're just, if you can't even make a, if you can't even comment and justify why you're going to be honoring a Nazi, a Nazi, uh, war criminal. Are there any double standards when it comes to these big universities and anti-Semitism? There was an interesting piece yesterday, I think, in the New York Times on the Berkeley Law Department and a debate over Zionism, free speech, campus ideals. We've heard about this. The idea that uh, you're not even allowed to be sympathetic to to Zionism. Is there there, um, inconsistency, hypocrisy when it comes to the Jews and anti-Semitism and big universities, Lev? I believe there is, but I also will tell you that I don't, um, I don't very, I don't focus on Israel and Zionism, so it's not something I could speak of in educated terms. But I'll tell you this: I think there's a giant hypocrisy when we are putting out statements saying that Kanye West puts a swastika on Facebook, and that's considered of the utmost urgency. And, and we, need to, we need to respond, and we have a national conversation about Kanye West, who, who has issues and who is just one, one person, as much as he's an influencer, he's still a, increasingly uh, becoming a pariah. And we, find, we think that he is worthy of saying, the world is full of anti-Semitism. It's rising. Holocaust denial is surging. We need to, we need to discuss Kanye West. This cannot, this cannot be tolerated. And then we have Harvard and Stanford, who are top institutions in the world. And, and they, they just, you can't say that they're just some, some person with, with issues who spouts off on various things. And they very consciously are doing this. They're, they're openly, brazenly doing this, and and we're letting them go for that. So well, I think why it, are you? Uh, you seem ahead. like a smart fellow. You have this book, um, this this memoir on your your experience growing up in the Ukraine. I mean, I take your point, but really, should we care? There are many more things to be concerned with than whether or not there's an Alfred Crook chair or scholarship at Stanford or Harvard. Doesn't this seem to be purely symbolic and a bit of a waste of time? Well, much of it, I'll, I'll put it this way. I think about the people who were killed by Alfred Krupp and his corporation. I think that if my family was annihilated, the least I would want is for their is for their perpetrator is for the perpetrator not to be celebrated. I think it, that may be symbolic and that may be purely symbolic, but it's it's so often we hear about tragedies and horrors in the past, and it's the, the frustrating thing is you feel helpless. You feel like you can't do anything about it. these people are already dead and buried. Okay, and I think it's a very small token of justice to just recognize this. Uh, 
I don't, I, I think historically we do owe these people. I think when we're looking at it, it's, it's a question of poor Alfred Krupp, why we deny him. Well, Alfred Krupp hit the jackpot, man. I mean, he had he, he got away with war crimes and crimes against humanity, and he spent only six years in prison, including pre-trial confinement. He does look a very nice fellow. I have to admit, if you had to, uh, for people just listening, if you had to imagine a Nazi, Alfred Krupp is the pinup Nazi. Was he? Uh, was he a Nazi as a young man? I mean, he's from this very, very privileged aristocratic yeah. uh, industrial uh, capitalist family, and, and a complicated family. Um, yes. His side of the family only sees power because one of his relatives came out as as gay, Friedrich Alfred Krupp. So um, it's an interesting family. Well, as as I'll t- I'll put it this way: I don't as a as I'm certainly not an expert on Krupp, but I'll tell you this: these people don't seem to have. Um, morals particularly or in order to be a nazi a fervent nazi you actually have to believe something in bigger than something that's bigger than yourself it may so be he evil, isn't a nazi, cool. then you're saying he's a nazi fellow traveler a nazi opportunist oh i don't i don't think he was i don't think he was uh committed to anything other than his own wealth and his own uh, and his own and, and how does he compare to how does he compare to De Jong's Nazi billionaires? Is he worse or better than? I think he's one of them. He's foundations, he, these BMW and Volkswagen yeah, foundations. I think they're no different. I think only you know some of them were sadistic. Some of them went out of their way. I think I think with many of them, um, and in a way, that's just the. I think it's even just they, they didn't have morals. I think I think if well, we know if, that, but you don't you don't have your statues pulled down if you don't have morals. No, no, but what I'm saying is I don't think they had a particular uh, stance or affiliation beyond themselves. That's what that that's what I'm saying. Not just morals. They just I don't think they had an allegiance or an ideology. I think they they went with whoever. Um, I'm sure that's different for everyone. But he's. Um, it seems like Alfred Krupp cared about Alfred Krupp, but in the process he wound up killing children in Auschwitz. So I think it's. Um, I think deeds do have to do with something on it, and I think. I think history, we're always digging into history. I think we'll never stop digging into history. Right. And in America, of course, there's a incessant digging in, particularly to the history of slavery and racism. We've done many shows. One, for example, with Emily Bingham um, on uh, the origins of my old Kentucky home, a sonic monument, according to her, to segregated America. Then we did a show with Connertown O'Neill uh, on his new, new book, Down Along with That Devil's Bones, A Reckoning with Monuments, Memory, and the Legacy of White Supremacy. Is this debate about Alfred Krupp, um, is it similar to the debate in America today about taking down Confederate flags and statues? Uh, well, the problem is it's not a debate about Alfred Krupp. We were well, not you even made talking it into a debate, Lev. I mean, <laughs> I wish I did. Well, but, uh, uh, the New York Times is 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 not a is an important newspaper, and you've had a couple okay. of important pieces in there, so you've made it into a debate. Okay, so it's let's start say, somewhere, right? Yes, um, I think it's to me it's a much more clear piece because this is something that's just been documented. Completely. So it's clearer. So you're saying that taking, getting rid of the the crook. The Krupp scholarships or chair at Stanford or Harvard is clearer than tearing down Confederate statues of 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 slave owners. I think I think any debate. I think it's a much easier debate because uh, you don't really need to work that much to prove that this person 
was a slaver and was a perpetrator of genocide. We don't have to. We don't have to go back into. We don't have to dig out records really that much. I mean, we still have survivors uh, there. This is something who we don't have to. I think, as far as the debate goes, if you say this person deserves to be uh, torn down, uh, you would have to provide evidence of this. Is, so, is there any know. context for forgiving a man like Alfred Krupp? I don't know enough about him to defend him, but is it conceivable that he? so to speak, misbehaved during the Second World War, and then afterwards he, 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 he grew up, took responsibility? Well, he didn't take responsibility. Forgive? That's an easy one. He didn't take responsibility. Well, that's, at what that's point can we for, forget and forgive? Because we seem obsessed with this memorialization of evil and blaming other people and taking statues down. And this is what you're warning us about in Ukraine, about uh, the erasure of history. Well, I think those are, first of all, those are two different things. And I didn't write that headline, but... Uh, well, it's of your piece on... Um, yes, but on... yes, but the headline is a different thing than the, than the actual piece. But I never said, I said, it, the Soviets actually erased. One of the things they talk about is how the Soviets erased uh, their uh, genocide of Ukrainians through Holodomor, through starvation, and how I think it's important to recognize it. So that's, again, that's not erasing history. That's coming to terms with history. I think erasing history is just blame, is just painting somebody as this philanthropist and forgetting everything about them. Uh, whether you think uh, whether you think we did, to be honest, I don't think we. Um, but it's not hard to do our it, research on Krupp. You just go to Wikipedia. Yes. I mean, it's clearly it's clearly articulated that, um, and and I'm quoting from the Wikipedia, the first paragraph. He was convicted after World War II of crimes against humanity for the genocidal manner in which he operated his factories. I mean, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Yes, but that's, I would not expect people going around and, and, and researching this at all if they see a scholarship. That's number one. And number two, okay, so we know he's a genocidal uh, figure. Why then are we honoring him? I think it's, I think it's important to know who we honor. I, think it's, I, I don't think history ever goes away. And as far as forgiveness, to be honest, I think in many ways, we contain a lot of forgiveness, perhaps too much forgiveness, especially for people like this. Um, I think not dealing with history, not having response, it's a question of responsibility. You know, I think that, you know, somebody who, who robs a liquor store, okay, that's six years in prison. I don't, I don't, I don't think genocide should, should be six years in prison. And also don't think we should be celebrating these people. I mean, you can, we... Everybody has different importances. Everybody has different priorities. So obviously you can say, does, does it matter right now that we celebrate? We can say, we can say nothing matters. But I think, I think it's important to address history. I think it's important to, to draw a line somewhere and say, you know, this person who armed Nazi Germany, who resulted in the deaths of untold amount of people, should not be celebrated. Who, who uh, uh, coming back to the chairs at Stanford, what, what, what professors have the Krupp chair? It sounds like it's... It's out of some sort of East European absurdist novel. Is, is does someone is someone really the the Krupp professor of moral philosophy at Stanford or Harvard? Uh, it's a Krupp professor, I believe, of uh, European studies of some who, sort. Who is this Krupp professor? Oh, I'm not going to go into it because I don't Why? think. Why you're the one who's brought this up? Who 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 is it? They they're the ones who are responsible. They shouldn't accept the chair, especially at Harvard of all. Places. I believe that Harvard shouldn't have the chair. Yeah, but who, uh, who holds the chair? Who sits in this crook chair? 
right. don't have his name right in front of me. I mean, I, it, and it's not something that I'm going to, I link to it in the piece, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's something to put a target over this person's back on. Just like I didn't, I didn't link to the various uh, people who accepted the fellowships because yes, I do believe if you get awarded a fellowship, it is your responsibility to look at this. But I also believe the far greater responsibility is Harvard, who has this. Well, those are the, the easy people to pick on. Would you take a Rhodes Scholarship if you were awarded one? Should, should people have a moral responsibility to turn these things down? Well, I think most people always have a moral responsibility. Now, I also think that there are people who can't afford to not do something in particular. Well, I, I, um, I'll, be, I'll make it clear, um, Lev. If, go ahead. Uh, I, I am not going to choose to have Alfred Krupp as a sponsor on my show. So we're not going to have any Krupp advertisements. Nothing for slave labor in the Second World War. Is that, is that good enough for you? I've drawn my line in the sand, my moral line. Would you wear uh, Krupp shoes or clothes? No, I wouldn't. Uh, Would you drive a Krupp car? I mean, do you drive a BMW or a, a Volkswagen? That's the old Jewish question we always used to ask. Yeah, I do drive a Volkswagen, actually. Oh, you do? Um, yes. I do not think that Volkswagen as a company should be punished. Just like I don't think Krupp as their Tyson Krupp company should be punished. Which My... continues to exist, right? The Tyson yes, Krupp yes. Yes, it's a very big. Also, I'll tell you this: like I deal with, um, I deal with uh, various monuments to fascists, and people say, "Oh, you know, we shouldn't have this house of this guy who was a Nazi collaborator, or whatever." No, I think that's wrong. I mean, I think that's part of history. I think it's perfectly fine. The difference is, to me, is whether you celebrate somebody. The difference you, is you wrote about Nazi monuments being removed in Virginia, Bosnia, Belgium, Australia. I mean, where does all this stop? Somewhere. I think that's usually just the, the, the simple answer is it stops somewhere. We all draw a line. Again, it's it's like saying, who are you going to have? And what's going to happen in the Ukraine, um, given the war crimes of Putin's regime? Are we going to see the same cycle of forgetting and memory and debate? But that's not forgetting because... Uh, what happened in Russia is the Soviet Union put statues of Lenin everywhere and just said, and just ended it there and said, this is this is Grandpa Lenin. This is this is your hero. The Soviet Union wound up uh, plowing over the stories of all of these different countries. And one of the things that you're seeing is people reclaiming their story and reclaiming their history. Uh, for example, you said you said Ukraine. Um, there was a horrific, horrific man-made famine called Holodomor that for the longest time you weren't allowed to speak with it about it in Ukraine. Stalin starved uh, 3.9 million people to the point where cannibalism was rampant. People literally ate their children. It was like Jonathan Swift's modest proposal come to life. And what ended up happening is people couldn't even talk about that. And this is something, you know, we know about the Irish potato famine. We know, we know about the Belgian genocide. We should know about Holodomor. We should, just, we should just acknowledge it. We shouldn't just erase these people. And Russia suppressed all of it. So now Ukraine is finally saying they're, they're, they're putting up memorials to Holodomor. They're tearing down mm -hmm. Lenin, putting, you know, and I don't, and that's, to me, that's not erasing history. That's unearthing history. So finally, I, uh, Lev, go ahead. I, I take your point. I mean, as I said, I'm not crook. I wouldn't accept a sponsorship from Krupp on this show, um, especially Alfred Krupp. Um, what would you say 
maybe we shouldn't be naming names, but what would you say to the the person at Harvard who sits in the Alfred Krupp chair? What What's your message to them, finally? Oh, that's a great question. My message is, I guess, talk to Harvard and perhaps explain why you took it. That would be a good thing. I think it's... I think conversation is fine. I think that's the most important thing. I think you and I disagree on things, but we can have a conversation on air. You can ask me questions that may be comfortable, uncomfortable. We can talk about this, okay? And what Harvard right now is doing is just completely ignoring it, having no comment. I mean, I think it's just so strange that the entire university just has no comment, okay? And as far as the professor, again, I'm, I'm not trying to refute you, but... I purposefully didn't go into the professor, purposefully didn't name the names of him or the people who are accepting, uh, who accepted the fellowships. Because I, again, I have priorities here. I think the bigger priority is that look at Harvard and what they're doing. They're the ones who are making this possible. Okay. The professor's small fish compared to that. What I want to know is what the Harvard president, whose mother was a survivor of Auschwitz, has to say about his school glorifying a man who murdered people in Auschwitz. I think that's a far bigger thing. And I think as, as far as you say erasing, yeah, there's a, the, people will draw a line. And I mean, I'm stealing a line from John Oliver who said, you know, where is this going to stop at some point? And somewhere, it'll stop at somewhere. Okay, I, you know, obviously we can go too far and have a reign of terror and say that anybody who's not a good, uh, who's not a good follower of the party or indoctrination, and they do that in dictatorships. You know, and in the Soviet Union, anybody, you know, you had to you had to adhere to a certain line that anybody who deviated slightly bit was the enemy. Obviously, that's not what I'm saying. I do think we should have a discussion. We will draw a line somewhere, whether it's with Cecil Rhodes, whether it's with others. But I do believe and and obviously this is this depends on what you research. I, as somebody who researches Nazis, think that this should be a priority, particularly because I think he armed Hitler. And that's an insult to veterans, including Harvard students who died. But I think I think having a conversation is far different than uh, saying that this is just un you know destroying history. I think this is I think this is acknowledging history in its in its facets. And you can say you can say that we can discuss it once we acknowledge it. But pretending that Alfred Krupp is just this benevolent guy, uh, I don't think that's a particular that, that's that's erasing history. Writing, writing things and unearthing things and discussing them, I don't think it's raising history. And I don't think we can ever get away from history. I think it, sooner or later, it will inevitably catch up with us. You know, we are products of the past and we will continue discussing and it continues to shape us and who we are. And also want to say thank you for not accepting, uh, uh, for going out and saying that you will not accept sponsorship from Alfred Krupp. I think that's a good thing for your show. <laughs>